facility today that they get the close out that they needed to to fulfill the glory for you father amen put their hearts together you chose these men and you knew that before that day would come and that there would be the certain men that would be going in for you to serve you father and father thank you so much for this family here that prayed for those that are, that are involved in this and the men that are coming through it in the facility that are uh how can i say touched by what goes on in there and by your works only does this happen not one man does it alone it's a team that you had chosen and they are are a worthy team like ron and so many other and and, and daryl has known before he's a, he's a kairos also father it is, it's a miracle and there's a front row seat for anybody that wants to be involved in that maybe next spring to be on the closing to see this miracle become and perform but father be with those men and may they be strong and be with the men that come out of there that they be also strong and and, and to fight satan for for he, he needs to get back off of them and, and allow them to grow within you. And, Father, that it will not be possible without prayer like this church here and the many others out there doing it, Father. For uh, we are loved and we love each other, and that's that's what drives out the, the evilness. But Father, Amen. awesome this church is, and, and that goes for what they did for us last night. It was just awesome. And uh, what can I say? You are my family, each and every one of you, and, and God will be with you in my prayers. And we love you and we praise you and all. Always in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Johnny. Um, and also, as winter's coming up, uh, our website is NLCC for New Life Christian Church, Perrigan.com. So um, mark that. There'll be some announcements on there. Also, the Facebook page for the New Life Perrigan Facebook page. That's where we put up all of these prayer requests and the pantry days and don't forget today we got food in the back it's a praise and pantry uh sunday so we will be putting things like if there's too bad of a weather or when people are sick and need prayers like right now we've got um sharon Ernest. uh for those of you who know she usually sits right over here by where johnny's at right now um yesterday she um, coughed. She couldn't get her breath. She went to the Mooresville facility. She had fluid on her heart, fluid on her lung, and she's battling cancer. Her mom's battling cancer, so she's got a lot, and that's wearing on her. And so then they had to take her by ambulance up to 86th Street at St. Francis. And so we've got everybody on there praying, praying for her. Um, we're going to pray for her in just a second, and... Uh, had great report from Libby. We prayed for her a couple weeks ago. She had her PET scan, and she called me to say that everything is good so far, that it's staying where it was at. Praise God. Whenever she was up here, she said, they gave me six months to live a year and a half ago. Amen. Praise God. He's got a plan, and he's, he's going to continue that plan for you. But... But that's God's grace, that's his mercy, and that's his power when we pray according to the will of God. And so um, on our events, we got one more thing too coming up in, in October. Mark your calendars for the 26th. We're going to have a gospel concert here with the White River Quartet. They're going to be here. It'll be a concert. It's starting at 6 o'clock. Um, the elders have been talking. I don't know if they've finalized anything yet or not, too, about having some stuff beforehand, like a like the pitch-in fall celebration. I don't know. That may or may not 
be on the list. I'll let you know more next week. But uh, we, we do have this already going on. So mark your calendars and prepare for that. It's going to be a great time. They're going to put on a great show for us here. So now as we, uh, as we prepare to get ready into the Word of God, um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 this morning. And let's bow for a quick word of prayer. I'll let you start off with your own silent prayer to prepare your heart and your mind for the Word of God. And then I'll close this out and we'll begin. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day and the privilege that we have to worship you. Father, you are the almighty God. You are the creator of the universe and everything that has life and breath within it. And Father, you chose that you want to be amongst your people. And you even have your Holy Spirit and your son dwelling within us and and you are here with us where two or three are gathered together. And so, Father, it's, it's just an unexplainable joy to know that we have a God who loves us like that and wants to fellowship with us as we worship you. So, Father, may our worship be true. May, be, may it be in spirit and in truth. And may as we open your word this day, that it glorifies you and exalts you for who you are. And may we learn and grow from this and apply it to our lives. And may we be the body of Christ that you would have us to be, that family that is tied in with Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 3. If you want to turn there with me, that's where we're going to start with. Um, yeah, I'll go ahead while you're turning there. Sarah gave me a joke this morning. She didn't think it was that funny, but we'll see what you think, all right? So, so uh, this guy, he was talking, and uh, someone asked him how long he'd been married, and he said, well, we just celebrated our 60th anniversary. And uh, he said, oh, well, what did you do on your 25th anniversary? Mine's coming up. And uh, he said, well, I took my wife to China on the 25th. And he said, oh, really? That's cool. What'd you do on your 50th? And he said, I went and picked her back up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't, don't throw it at me. <laughs> uh, Acts chapter 3. Last week, we're going to pick up where we left off. Last week, we was in, we started with the words of Jesus. We started talking about what makes a vibrant church, what makes a great church, a body of Christ. And we said, well, we've got to start off with, what is a church? How do I get added to it? What, what goes on in this thing? So we started out with the last words of Jesus from Mark 16 and Matthew 28. In both places, he said that, um, Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And then in Matthew's, he adds a little more meat to the bones because he says not only that, 
He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So there's where we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ after we have obeyed in faith what the Lord asked us to do. And then he says, and I'll make you a promise. If when you do that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I like a promise like that. I want to be a part of that. And so then we started talking about did the disciples follow what he said? If two of the four gospels ended with that and that's what he told them to do, did they do that? In Acts chapter 2, we saw that they did. That the promise of the Spirit did come. That it, it, it came with a loud noise. That caused everybody to run into the street. It gave an opportunity for uh, people to hear the message and they all came running out and at that point Peter began preaching Jesus Christ and at this this man that you crucified that you put before Pilate and you allowed him to go to the cross and to die that God has taken this same Jesus that you crucified and has now made him both Lord and Christ and it says that they were pricked in their hearts and said men and brethren what shall we do and he, he looked at him and Peter then said exactly what Jesus had told him to do in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He said, Repent then and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. For this is a promise not only to you but to your children and to all those who are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, he began to explain to them that they need to save themselves from this perverse generation. And it says that those who gladly received his word and were baptized that day were added to them 3,000 souls. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? But it's because God honors His Word. He said, this is what I want you to teach and what I want you to start out with. And He did that. And He provided it for him, And the people responded. And then it says that the four things that we talked about last week of a vibrant church was that they continued then with gladness and sincerity of heart in the apostles' doctrine. That's continuing learning about the Word of God. And then he said after that, that in fellowship, that's coming together. That's getting to know one another. We talked about Wednesday night Bible class. Well, after we do Bible class, we go to the back and we have a little bit of snacks and fellowship. Because that's where you get to know about each other. And that's where you get to bond as a family and to become close. And then when you do that, you know what? <clears throat> you worship God together. It says they broke bread. And that's also in fellowship with meals and in the communion supper of remembering our Lord and Savior. And then the fourth thing that says, and prayers. Because once you begin to have that fellowship and that worship together and you become a family, then like we talked about this morning, you can pray for each other. You know that who's got a problem that who's sick that who needs some encouragement that who just had a family member that something happened to so then you're able to pray with those people and to love on them and that becomes a family and a vibrant church and the the thing works because it says after that that when they do did that that they all began to fellowship and meet together with gladness of heart 
And they continued in those things. And then it says this, that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Because you know why? When you have that kind of an atmosphere, when you are following that design of the Lord of fellowship and breaking bread and prayer and worship, people say, I don't see that in the world outside. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a family that looks like that. And then it moves hearts to add to the body of Christ daily, those who want to be saved. So now we get into uh, Acts chapter 3. We're going to keep on going with this thing. They're, they're growing, they're going, people is enjoying this. So they're, they're meeting at the temple. That's the place there's so many of them. They, they just go ahead and meet at the temple every day at the hour of prayer. And here comes Peter and John. They're going in. They're getting ready to worship God. They're getting ready to meet with the saints. They're getting ready to talk about Jesus. And as they enter in, he's going in to, their, uh, to the temple through the gate that's called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3. And I like, I've always liked that. I, I always call it the gate called Beautiful. And they're going in through there and... Just talking probably about the Lord. And all of a sudden, there's a man that's sitting, laying there actually at the gate. This man has been lame, it says, from his mother's womb. He's not had the enjoyment like most of us had of being able to even walk. Let alone to run or to jump or to skip a rope or play kickball. This guy has been lame from the day he was born. And it says that they laid him daily at this gate called Beautiful. It's kind of an oxymoron of types, isn't it? Here, here's a poor beggar who is sitting there at a gate called Beautiful. Because of his infirmity, they don't allow him to go in and to worship. So he's at the gate for all of those who are going in to worship. And it says he's there every day because... In his condition, he has no way to work and to support himself. So he needs the folks that think about God that's coming in to give him something so that he has money to survive on, to have food and clothing and shelter. And so he's asking for alms of the people as they come in. And, and he hollers out to Peter and John for alms. And all of a sudden it says that Peter stops. And then it says this, if you're looking up there, it says he fixed his eyes upon him. You know, that's a special word. That means to study with intent and care. It's the same word that when Jesus departed in Acts chapter 1 that we talked about last week when he told him to stay there in Jerusalem till the power comes and you're going to be my witnesses. And then it says he ascended up into the Father, up into the clouds. And as they stood there staring as Jesus went up into the clouds, the two men in white came by and said, O ye men of Galilee, why do you stand staring up into heaven? That's that word. He fixed his eyes upon that man. And something must have clicked. Something was motivating him from God to speak to that man. And he looked at that man. And that gaze, that intensity that he had of fixing his eyes upon him must have caused that man. It must have intimidated him a little bit because evidently he looked away from him. He, he looked down. He looked away. Peter said this. He said, look at me. 
Look at me. The man looks up and he said this. He said, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Arise and walk. And I said, arise. And he reached out and he grabbed that man's hand and yanked him up. And before his feet hit the ground, he was made whole. And he began jumping and shouting for joy and praising God. And just overcome. I told you a minute ago that there's something more important than silver and gold, didn't I? It's the power of Christ in a life that changed. That changed him physically. But the thing was, was God used that miracle. God used that man. I'm going to back up for a minute. This probably isn't in the notes, Miss T, but we're going to keep on going. Did you know that that man was born lame from his mother's womb for such a time as this? You know, God was going to glorify that man and himself through that infirmity. Same thing happened with the man who was blind from his birth. And it says, they asked who did sin, this man or his family, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither one, but he was this way for the glory of God that it might be shed and known today. God uses things to bring things to him. He used the noise of the Spirit in chapter 2 arriving to bring people out to hear the message. Now, he's taken a man who's been laid at the gate for 40 years. You're going to find out later in the chapter when they bring him before there that the man is 40 years of age. So for 40 years, they have known that this man has laid there and they've watched him every day when they go into the temple to worship. If you've been lame for 40 years and never exercised, you can't just stand right up and walk. Your bone structure and your muscles are not conditioned to do that. This was a miracle that they could not explain. And it was all started with a prayer because that was what Peter was actually doing. He was imploring God when he said, in the name of Jesus. That's how we end our prayers, isn't it? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, he's asking a prayer. I'm, I'm praying to God on your behalf that you, I've got something more important for you than silver and gold. And it's going to be a message. And that's why God's using you to be right here. Because he's going to glorify himself and you because of what's going to get ready to happen. So I tell you to arise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he hit the ground jumping. You couldn't deny it. God uses that now to draw the crowd. Because everybody gathers around and they're wanting to know. They see somebody to them probably because you know how we're supposed to be in worship. Everybody's sitting around like this. And they're going into the temple and all of a sudden here's a guy running and jumping and, and praising God. And they're like, who let the fool in? And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, we've seen him every day out there. You know what? He's excited about what God's doing in his life. That, that, that should be us. We should be excited about that. And he's jumping and they're saying, 
that's the guy that we just, he's not there. That's him. And so now they all gather around to hear what's going on. And Peter, now that he's got everybody's attention, Peter starts saying that, why are you staring at us? And he's using that same word again, like we did something or had something to do with this. This is nothing that John and I have done, but faith in the name of Christ, the name of Christ and faith in his name is how he puts it, has caused this man to be whole in front of you this day. And he said, then he goes on to say this, that's the same Jesus that you crucified. That's the same Jesus that you've been denying in your life up until this point. But God has great forgiveness and he wants you to change he wants you to change your heart and your mind over these things and he wants you to now learn about him and come to him and all of a sudden now as peter's doing that and i'd better find my place (laughs) we've been just a going here we got we got to turn the page now to acts chapter four so now that they've been doing this and they've got this and he's Preaching in the name of Jesus and talking about the resurrection of the dead. Sadducees, they don't like that. They don't believe in the resurrection of the dead or in angels or any of that thing. And because of that, they think that this life is all there is. So they're sad, you see. That's how you always recognize who they are. They're the sad ones. They're sad, you see. They don't believe in the resurrection. But now he's preaching it. He's saying, we saw this Jesus John will later write, our hands felt him, the word of life. We, we were with him. And then as they're preaching this Jesus arising from the dead and forgiving you of your sins and that you put him there. And you know what? I can look back today and say I did too because I sinned. And my sins placed him there as well. So as theirs did going forward, mine did rolling back. And so I'm in the same boat as they are, and he's preaching to them while the Sadducees, the high priest, the captain of the guards, they come up in chapter 4 while he's talking. And it says that they are greatly disturbed that he's preaching about Jesus and that he's talking about the resurrection of the dead, and God bless you. And it says that they took a hold of them. The word is seized. They grabbed a hold of them and threw them into the prison overnight. You know why? Because it says it's already even time and and the word of God always puts stuff in there for a purpose. It's against the law in the Jewish custom to have a trial after dark. So since they're grabbing him right around dark, it would be against the law to do anything. So they toss him into the brig overnight. And think about this. What was their crime? All they were doing was talking about Jesus, weren't they? They were talking about Jesus forgiveness and the resurrection of the dead now i want to let you know that we've got to pray that that never happens in this country we got to pray that we can always be able to talk about jesus and and to teach people about his way so now they're in the brig they go all night they bring them back out the next day before the people who think that they're in charge that you got annas the high priest you got caiaphas You've got John and Alexander. This is father. The other two are sons. And the other one is a son-in-law. So you've got like a little mafia group going that's keeping everything. These are the same guys who allowed the selling of stuff in the temple that Jesus overturned their tables. 
but they don't allow anyone else to come in and do it or to bring their things of worship from home. So they're running a tight racket here, and they don't want to be kicked out, and especially by someone like Jesus, who was just a carpenter's son. And so they wanted to stay in power, and they had him killed. They had him crucified. Now, they, they knew the tomb. They, they knew that the tomb uh, was empty. They bribed the people to say that, that somebody stole the body. So now all of a sudden you've got some people who are talking about this Jesus again. And they are greatly disturbed that this thing just will not go away. So they bring him in and they put him on trial and said they have the audacity to ask him. By whose power and what name are you doing the things that you're doing? And you see, they got to be very careful. Because it says that those who saw that miracle and was standing there numbered almost 5,000 men, let alone women and children. This thing is growing. They've got to put a stop to it or they're going to be out of business. And so they say, who and what name are you doing this in? And they began to preach to them the same thing of Jesus, whom you've crucified. And giving them a chance to repent of what they have done in this. And as uh, he's speaking to them and telling them these things, he said it's through the power of his name. You guys don't have the power. Christ has the power. And he is the one who has done this great miracle that you see before us now. And then uh, as they're all gathered together, it says that they had a private meeting. And they said that we can't deny this miracle that happened. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't talk it away. We can't lie about this one like we did the tomb. So we're going to have to do something else. We're going to severely threaten them. Because they know what, they, what we did to Jesus. So if we severely threaten them with the same thing, then they will quit talking about this man. And so it says that they severely threatened them that they no longer preach or do anything in the name of this one. Now, I want you to notice something. About two and a half months ago, that might have worked. Because you remember that night that Jesus was in the garden and after he finished praying, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, Father, but thine be done. If it's at all possible, though, if there's any other way, but there wasn't. So he followed and submitted to the will of God. He comes back, and then he says, you guys, wake up. They've been sleeping on the job while they were supposed to be praying. That's what we're talking about today is the power of a praying church. So they're sleeping, and he says, wake up because the enemy's here. And he was betrayed. And you remember what happened? Peter started out the night good, didn't he? You remember? Oh, he had stuck a little sword in his side. And as they came, he pulled that out. And he made a slash. And he cut off the ear of Malchus, the, the, the high priest's servant's ear. You remember that? And Jesus put it back on. And he told him to put his sword up. Well, you reckon that guy was standing there? Because we right here, right now, we've got the trial going on again and it's the same people the high priest and all of those folks i wonder if that same servant was there right now looking at peter that had cut off his ear but I, i'm thinking that they're all thinking about this and then they remembered that after that though when peter started following along and they started threatening and saying you are one of them your accent gives you away you was with jesus out there 
he got scared and ran, didn't he? He denied him three times and the rooster crowed. We know the story. So they're thinking that if I threaten him severely, he's going to quit because he ran away the last time, that rascal, so I can do it this time. All we got to do, we don't have to lie, we don't have to deny, we can just threaten him and he's going to run like he did the last time. But I see something different in Peter this time. There's a different man that's standing there before him now. And you know why? Because he has seen the glory of the resurrected Christ. The Lord has taught him about where he is going. And I'm preparing that place for you. And look at this new resurrected body that I have. And one day you're going to have it too. And now he's learned doctrine, hasn't he? He's got faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more you hear of the things of the Word of God, the more faith that you have. And in this last two months, he's listened to Jesus for that 40 days while he was on here teaching. And he's got some doctrine behind him. He's got some truth to stand upon. So now whenever they threaten him and say, don't you go teaching in this man's name again, or you're going to be severely taken. And you know we'll do it, because look what we did to your Savior. The one you're talking about. This time he doesn't run, he doesn't kowtow to their wishes. This time he says this as he goes on. I want you to listen to what he says. Now whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than it is to God, you be the judge. In other words, what he's saying is, you might believe what you're saying, but I no longer do. I know that there's a greater power than you that is at work in this world and in my life. And I am not giving in to you no more. So if you think it's right to do what you're saying, then God will come and you will have to explain that one day before him when you stand before his throne. But I'm telling you that I cannot but do and say the things that I have heard and seen. And I can't do nothing but speak the things of Jesus Christ. And now we've got a new man that that is now full of faith. He's full of the word of God and he's a different change. And now they know that they're in for a tussle. And he says uh, this, you know... You know what's going to keep him? All of that helped build him up to this point. But you know, he started out good the last time too. And then by the time the night was over, he had denied him. You know what's going to keep Peter on fire this time? So that he fulfills this mission? The power of a praying church. You know what the first thing, whenever they threatened him and released Peter and John, you know what the first thing that they did was? They went running back to their own. Look at your Bible there in Acts chapter 4. It says, whenever they turned them loose, verse 23, being let go, they went to their own companions. They went to the body of Christ. They went to their brothers and sisters into the church. And it says, they told them, they reported to them all of the things that had happened and all the threatenings that they had just been through and what they had said to them. And so now it says this, they learned the power and they leaned upon the power of a praying church. Verse 24, when the body of Christ heard that, so like when we hear of these things that's going on in people's lives, it says when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God in one accord. It was a united 
body of Christ who began praying and lifting up their voices unto God. And this is what they said. And this is a beautiful, it's a short. Prayers don't have to be long. Prayers can be short. Probably the shorter, the better, and the more powerful it will be. Listen to what they prayed. Lord, you are God. They're just recognizing who he is and that he has the power and the authority over everything in life. And we're turning this over to you. You are God. You made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is them. Your servant David, now they're going back on history. They're bringing something up to God. They're going on history. David had the same problem that we had. He had rulers coming up against him. He had folks rising up, trying to harm him. Go read the Psalms how many times that they are after me. They are pursuing me. I am so low, God. Will you not help me and bring me up? So they're saying, just as your servant David was threatened by the rulers. And why do the heathen rage? And why do they take counsel? And now he brings Jesus in because... These same people threatening them are the ones who did kill Jesus. So he's saying, Lord, we know what happened with Jesus. That they raged against him. They came together. And Pontius Pilate and all of them came. The Gentiles, Herod, they all came. Even the other Jews like these people of the high priest. They all came against your Savior and, and uh, railed against the Christ. And they are doing it to us now, Father, as they did it to your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, and all Herod and Pilate and all of them came against him. But they, I want you to listen now what he's, what he's reminding God of, but it's also reminding them of the power of God in their life. But they could only do what your hand and your purpose determined to be done. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Because whatever situation you're in right now, it may or may not have been by your own choice or choosing, and it may have. But I want you to know that wherever you are at in your walk of life with God, He knows where you're at. You're here right now for a purpose, because this is where we're at, so now they're, they're requesting His help in what's going on. We need your help. We've got the same problems that some other folks have had. And if you've got a problem, you can go to the Bible and find somebody in there that had the same problem that you're going through. And they said this, But we know that it's only as far as your will can be done. David, you, you helped him out, and he went on to be a, a king that reigned for 40 years. Jesus went to the cross. Both of them was by your will. So what they're saying is, is by your will, whatever happens, Lord, we want you to know that all we're praying for is for boldness to continue preaching your word as your son asked us to do. And whatever happens, happens. It's in your hands and it's in your will. Whether it be we die like Christ or we continue to do your will like David did. But either way, it's in your hands because you are God. And we submit to that will. Now I want to tell you what I'd have been praying for. <laughs> I'd have been praying something like this. Maybe you would too. I'd have been praying. Lord. Please don't let them harm my family. Lord. Please don't let them hurt me. Don't 
remove me from this situation. Do something to avoid all of this. Is that what you'd have prayed too? That's what I would pray. I don't want to be in the midst of something like that. But we learn a great lesson here of faith. Because they said you are God and whatever's going to happen is your will. We're asking for your help in it. We agree to whatever it is and we pray that through it all you will give us the boldness just to continue to be your servants and to do what you desire us to do. What a great prayer of faith that is. And the whole body of Christ was praying that for these, for these men. Because we know they can only go as far as your hand and your authority allows them and your predetermined purpose. And that's valuable knowledge for us going forward. And then look, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats they're making and grant to us, your servants, this boldness to go ahead and speak your word as we go through it. Now, that's a powerful prayer. And you know what happens in verse 30? He says, you stretched out your hand to heal this man. So in other words, you are the one that's provided the opportunity for us to teach the word and to get where we're at right now. That's how we know what God does. So God may be using what we're going through so that when we all begin to pray about it and things go like it did for this man, that that will be something that jars a community into faith in Christ because they can see the work of the Lord and there's no way to, do, to doubt it. And that creates those who will be followers. So he said... You caused this situation. We fully trust in you. And we pray that we can continue on in that. And now, if you need more motivation than just salvation. And not to spend eternity with the devil and his angels. But you want to spend it with the Lord. Let me give you another reason why you want to be a Christian. This, this can be second on your list. So that your prayers are powerful. Because I know that every one of you love to pray. And you want to pray for yourself, for your family, for others, for the body of Christ. And then your friends, the people that you see in the world and that you meet. You want your prayers and the prayers of the church to be powerful and effective, don't we? Well, as we get ready to close down, I want to give you a few things then that provides the power behind the prayers of a powerful church. One of those things is, is to be a Christian, to be in Christ, to follow those things that we started out this lesson with on what Jesus told us to be on to motivate us to be a Christian. But look at this in John chapter 15 verses in 7 and 8. Talking about prayer now, he says, If you abide in me, and to abide means you're already there. You're already in Christ. So if you will abide in me and my word abides in you, that's the doctrine. You will ask what you desire and it will what? Be done for you. So there's some power in a prayer. By this, Peter's prayer did what? When that man stood up, it glorified the Father, didn't it? And it started bringing people to the knowledge of Jesus. He says, by this then, when you are abiding in me and you are praying the things in my will to be done, and they do... God is glorified by you asking and him being able to do it. And you will bear much fruit and you will be my disciples. That's a privilege that we have by being in Christ to have that kind of power behind our prayers. And then how about this though? 
here's the opposite way. If we're not doing that, but we just continue to live in sin and do what we want to do, then our prayers can be hindered. And we need to know that prayers can be hindered. Now, this is the Word of God talking, and it's in Psalm 66 and verse 18, and it says this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not heal me, hear me. In other words, if, if I just continue to enjoy it, not that we don't sin because we sin all the time, but do I enjoy it and is that what I seek or am I seeking God and just falling down and getting back up and repenting and keeping going? That's the difference here. If I regard those things in my heart as something I cherish and I don't want to give up and I want to continue in, then maybe the Lord's not going to hear my prayers and they're not going to be so powerful and effective. You know, Isaiah the prophet continues that thought whenever he says, Behold, the Lord's arm, his arm is not too weak that it can't save you, nor is his ear too deaf that he won't hear when you call. But it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. And you know, that's what happened to King Saul. If you go back through 1 Samuel and what happened, he never repented of some things. He continued to rest on himself and the Lord quit answering his prayers. And he prayed and prayed and finally he went to the witch of Endor because he said the Lord's not hearing my prayer anymore. Instead of repenting, he went somewhere else, a wrong place to find information when God's not answering so that you might think, Maybe I need to self-reflect and look upon me, and that's why first. That's usually the reason God brings some things upon you, is to self-reflect. So if I want my prayers to be powerful and effective, then I want my walk to try to be towards His. And when I sin, I've, I practice First John 1, verse 9, that says, Whenever I sin, I confess those faults to Him. And that He says, when I do that, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And that puts me in, back in fellowship with him. And I am now walking in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship from, with one another. And when I do that, what's it say next? The blood of Christ continues to cleanse me from all sins. So it's not that I don't sin. It's that when I do, I'm asking for forgiveness. And that is a continual cleansing. So that makes your prayers heard. So then... And James kind of affirms that on the other hand in chapter 5 when he says, the fervent prayers of a righteous man, what? Availeth much. I'm glad to hear you guys say that. It availeth much. So there's the two sides of a powerful prayer. Also, did you know that our prayers can be hindered if, if we doubt? If we don't have faith in him and we, we think, ah, oh, I can say these things, but he's not going to answer. I, I don't even know if he's really listening to me. Oh, contrary, you're a child of God. He desires to hear your prayers. Didn't it just say a minute ago in John 15, he desires those and he's glorified through them? Okay, well, James 1 says this. If, oh, wait a minute, I'm on Matthew 21 first. See, I started to get ahead of myself. Jesus answered them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only be able to do what was done to this fig tree, but also if you say to the mountains, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. Whatever things you ask in prayer, what? 
Believing it, you will receive. Now James, chapter 1, he affirms this truth. If any of you lacks wisdom, there's that knowledge that we gain about the will of God so that we have the will of God in our prayers as we go to. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith and not doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded and he's unstable in all of his ways. So now we've seen a couple of things so far that can hinder and help our prayers. We've got to stay within the Lord. We've got to ask in faith and in believing and according to his will. And now you get to see where there's um, the, that they put that in there. They followed these guidelines. Now back to Acts chapter 4 of our text. It says in chapter 4 and verse 31 that after they prayed these things about the servant David and about the Lord. But just give us the boldness to continue to speak your word. It says this that when they had prayed that that the place where they were assembled together shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They went out of there because they are a powerful praying church. They had the faith that their prayers was going to be answered. They knew that it was within the will of God because just before that they said, you provided the man there for us to heal and we taught the word so we want boldness to continue doing it even in the face of this opposition and God answered it with that powerful shaking to show that I am listening that you are doing it in faith and I am confirming that and let's move on. And so with that, as the worship team returns, and we've learned a little bit today about the picture of a powerful praying church. I want you to think about this. First thing it says, for those who are in Christ. We started out today talking about the words of the Lord where he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not is condemned. So, if, if you're not in Christ, A, I don't want you condemned. I want you to be saved. B, I want you to be able to pray and to begin praying powerful prayers and having those prayers heard and answered. So don't delay if you have not done that in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and abiding by his word, don't delay. We've, we've got everything ready. If you say, oh, I don't want to go home with wet clothes, guess what? I got extra clothes back here that you're going to change into and we'll take them home and do the laundry. All, you, you, all you'll have to do is change back into the clothes that you wore in today. And we got towels. So because I want nothing to hinder you from coming to the Lord, if that is what you need to do. Today is the day of salvation. Past that, the second thing then about this is, is that we want God to be glorified in everything that we do. It's all about Him. It's all about exalting Him as the Lord God. And part of that is He loves to answer your prayers so that He is responding to those and he gets the glory and he gets the honor and it draws people to him and if if we can pray those things then just as the man who was laid at the gate called beautiful drew the crowd 
who then said, we want to believe in this Jesus in whom this was done. And now 5,000 men, let alone women and, and youth, was there. I want that to happen in our community. I want people being prayed for. I want changes in their lives. I want God to be glorified by what the body of Christ does. How about you? Let's, let's stand and sing this song. And if, if you've got any of these needs, please come on up.